Our Bible reading today is taken from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. How nice to be back. Um, I've spent about 55 years doing children's work. Um, that's almost true. And um, sometimes I'm going to other churches around the country. It's often a two-hour ride. Um, and you get there, and there are two people. And the elder meets you and says, there won't be many here today. But it's great that everybody is here today, whether online or actually in the building here. So thank you for letting me come in with the grown-ups, Jim. What does Remembrance Day mean to you? I might have to speed this up. I've got a cenotaph to catch at two minutes to 11, all right? So PowerPoint, anything could go here. But I wonder what it means to you, because for some who have lost loved ones in the wars of the the 20th or the 21st century, it's going to have very special memories. There are people here today with medals on who have special memories But for most of us, it's just a very necessary reminder of suffering and sacrifice by ordinary men and women in the interests of our nation and its cherished values. We commemorate this unique event every year. Perhaps we should pause and ask the question, well, why? Why do we pause and remember? Well, the trouble is, I think, is that we forget things so soon. I know I do at my great age. And that's why even small communities will have a war memorial. That's why we in Britain wear our poppies as a reminder. So that each generation of men and women should not forget what's been done on our behalf. And these memorials are there to help us to remember They're there as visual aids to remind us of how, in the mercy of God... We've been delivered from tyranny, lest we forget. Now tell me, do you feel safe these days? Does your poppy make you feel certain that peace has come? Every one of us in church has probably locked all our doors before we came out today, before we go uh, to bed at night, we lock them up. We get in a car, we buckle our seatbelts around us. We want to be safe. If we go to an amusement arcade, we ride the roller coasters, well, I don't, and other rides, 
of that type because the attendants, they buckle us into their seats, making us feel safe. We choose to put our money probably into a bank rather than stuffing it under the mattress. We like to play safe. If I were having surgery, I would want someone to come and pray over me before they roll me into the operating room. I can get on an aeroplane, I expect you can as well, because you feel, well, the pilot is taking exactly the same risk as I am. So I will be okay. We do all these things out of a sense of safety. And I feel if I do all these things, it will be okay. I will feel safe and I will be safe. And God desires that we are safe in this life. He wants us to remember that. However, many of God's people live in fear rather than safety. And so the psalmist reminds us that God provides us with safety. And he tells us how to get that safety. Psalm 46, as we've just heard, it leads us forward. I wonder how many soldiers use that psalm while fighting for their country. As we wear our poppies with pride and remember the great sacrifices made by so many, we also see it as a reminder of peace, of safety, of security. And what's so special about a poppy on Remembrance Day? Well, you know, why not use a rose? Scarlet poppies grow naturally in conditions of disturbed earth throughout Western Europe. The destruction brought by the Napoleonic Wars of the early 19th century transformed bare land into fields of blood-red poppies growing around the bodies of the fallen soldiers. And in late 1914, the fields of northern France and Flanders were once again ripped open as the First World War was raged through Europe's heart. And the significance of the poppy as a lasting memorial to the fallen It was realised by a Canadian surgeon, John McRae, in his poem, In Flanders Fields. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. And so the poppy came to represent the immeasurable sacrifice made by his comrades and quickly became a lasting memorial to those who died in the First World War and in later conflicts. And technology permitting, we're going to be joining the royal family and representatives at the Cenotaph service for the two-minute silence at 11 o'clock. And as the poppy wreaths are brought forward, we'll be concluding our service And I invite you to consider bringing your symbol of remembrance, your poppy, and just place it here at the foot of the cross and pause and pray for peace. Some of you will want other things for your poppy. 
You need it for your remembrance, but I just invite you, if you wish, to do that, and we'll tell you when that would be. And when fighting ceased in 1918, the mud of the battlefields was allowed to rest and mature. Nature began to be restored, and before long, the wildflowers, they grew and they bloomed, including the poppy. And the colour of red reminded people of bloodshed and the sacrifice by millions of brave soldiers sacrificing their lives. And so the poppy became a symbol of sacrifice. And we in the Christian church also have a symbol. It's the cross of Jesus. And one of his greatest sayings is, John fifteen thirteen: Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. Today is a day of remembrance for us all. Maybe you have a connection to a conflict and a war. Maybe you have a connection to a part of the world that is suffering right now. Maybe you have recently lost a loved one. And this day brings back the sadness of loss. Maybe you feel you are fighting your own war. Maybe you feel that God is not there. You've lost that safe feeling of his love surrounding you. Maybe you never really felt that love. To feel safe in this world, we must hold on to God tightly and the things of the world loosely. Verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Our safety in this world is not holding tightly to our spouse or to our children or to our parents or our money or our possessions, but holding on to Jesus. The psalmist tells us that even the three most stable things in all the world, such as the ground we stand on, the mountains we can see, and the water staying within its banks, all three are actually unstable. And if these three things are unstable... How much more unstable in this life is everything else that we attempt to rely upon? And if that's true, then how often do we shake our world upside down because we've rested our safety on something that is unstable instead of resting our safety upon God? In the trenches or on the beaches of Dunkirk where chaos and death surrounded and engulfed the men fighting there, God gave them courage. God gave them hope. God was their refuge. We must exercise our faith to believe that God is with us in spite of any feelings that we may have that he's not there. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. So firstly, God is our refuge. Now the word refuge means it's shelter, it suggests hope, it suggests trust. It speaks of a place of safety. Now, yes, trouble comes into all our lives, but we can seek refuge in the Lord. He protects us in times of trouble. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The idea is expressed many times in the Bible. David always found refuge in the Lord when his enemies sought his life. Saul pursued David for many years, yet God always protected him. David knew that the Lord was watching over him. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. David found the help that he needed from the Lord. Now, do you run to the Lord when troubles come? I think we should. Secondly, God is our strength. Now, the word strength, it means power, it means might, it means boldness, to be mighty. And when trials and troubles come, our strength is drained from us. Yet, at these times, God is able to strengthen us and to help us stand. We only need to ask him for strength. In Isaiah 40, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You've just sung this bit. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It doesn't matter how strong or weak we are. We are all in need of God's strength. Only he can sustain us in the trials of life. One time, David returned to Ziglag with his men and found it burned down and their families carried away as captives. What did he do? His men blamed him for it. Blamed it for everything. It was all his fault. And in 1 Samuel, it's recorded, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. You think you've got troubles. They thought of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But... David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. When trials come, do we strengthen ourselves in God? Or do we try and make it on our own? God is always ready to strengthen us. The third provision that God gives to his people is help. And the word help means succor, it means to assist God provides refuge and strength to his people, but he also helps us in our trials. What's more, he doesn't do this from a distance. He's right here with us to help us on our trials. Hebrews 13, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God doesn't expect us to make it on our own. In fact, he knows full well we can't make it on our own. It's only our pride or maybe our fear that keep us from seeking his help. So will you determine to seek God's help each day? Will you allow God to take control of the trials in your life? Because God is always waiting To answer your prayers, he never rests, he never sleeps. Psalm 34, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 
And as we gather together on this Remembrance Sunday, we thank God for being our refuge and our strength and our help. Those caught up in conflict of any type need and can rely on our God to help us find refuge, to give us strength to get through and to offer us help in times of trouble. And the poppy symbolizes remembrance. The cross symbolizes the power and the love of God whose son Jesus stretched out his arms to embrace the whole world and died for us to be free. See, Psalm 46, it just oozes with confidence. There are other things in it. There's God's shelter. There's God's salvation. There's God's sovereignty. In verses 2 and 3, it says, Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains be carried into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake with its surging. So in light of God's provision, how should we respond to uncertainty, trials and conflict? We should respond in faith, not in fear. If God is our refuge, if God is our strength and our help, shouldn't we trust him to take care of us? Therefore, we must respond in faith when turmoil comes into our lives. It's exactly what Job did when wave after wave of calamity broke upon him. He trusted in God's goodness. He knew that the Lord would not let him down. And the psalmist said that even if the world was turned upside down, he knew that God would take care of him. Our armed forces, our services need to hear that message of God's love and care for us all. Secondly, there's God's salvation. Usually when I'm overwhelmed with a life situation, I have that feeling, perhaps you do as well, perhaps I'm unusual, I think I am unusual, but perhaps I'm unusual in that I think God's not here, he's not with me, he's just left me to it. It seems like he's left me at at just the one moment I wanted him, he's left me. Here I am in the midst of a problem and I have to face it all alone. But the psalmist reminds me, if even I don't sense his presence, He's right there with me. He's right there with me. He saved us. He saved you. He saved me. And the psalmist says that he is an ever-present help. And then the psalmist says that he is with us. What I must do is exercise my faith to believe that God is with me during the difficult time. If I'm to be saved during the tough times, I need to know that God is with me. And that's why in Psalm 46, verses 4 to 6, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. Even though the seas may rage and the earth be shaken, God's people are secure. Because he's with us. There's a clear parallel between verses 1 and 5. In verse 1, the psalmist says that God is our refuge. In verse 5, he says that God is in the midst of the city of Jerusalem. God makes the city a refuge. His presence brings them security. In verse 1, he says God is our strength. And in verse 5, he says that the city will not be moved. This is because God gives Jerusalem the strength to stand. 
In verse 1, he says that God is a very present help in time of trouble. And in verse 5, he says that God will help her. In verses 4 to 6, the psalmist backs up his claim that God is a shelter to his people. This psalm's great, isn't it? Currently, the world leaders are making threats against each other. They do it all the time. Never stops. But God, God is still sovereign. His plans will surely come to pass. We must choose to trust him. You know, in the book of Esther, it doesn't mention God even once. Yet all the way through, the Lord is working quietly to save his people. The third point, we've got God's sovereignty. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And in light of the current trials and turmoil we have to endure, we must focus on God. The psalmist reflects on God's sovereignty, and so should we. In fact, he commands us to behold the power of God to execute judgment. The wicked may stir up strife for a time, but God is ultimately in control. He will have the final say. Men can plan, men can scheme. Men can even bring some of their wicked works to fulfillment, but God has the final say. And verses 8 and 9 clearly refer to the day of the Lord when God defeats his enemies. The Lord will judge the wicked with an enormous upheaval on the earth. He will bring an end to all welfare, warfare. The psalmist says that a good look at who is really in control of the earth, take a good look because God, God is sovereign. He will conquer evil and he will establish universal peace. So behold the greatness of God's works. Psalm 46, verses 10 to 11 say this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So how should we respond to God's mighty works? What should we do in response to God's justice and sovereignty? We should worship at his feet. The psalmist commands us to be still. When we hold our two-minute silence shortly, whether we stand or whether we sit, we will be still. And we can recognize that the Lord is God. This was the response on Mount Carmel when God answered Elijah by fire. They said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So firstly, we must recognize this. We should stand in awe at the greatness of our God. Secondly, we should worship the Lord. In light of who God is and what he has done, we should exalt his name. We should praise him in song. We should magnify his name throughout all the earth. After all, our God is with us. 
Our future is secure because of the Lord's promises to us. He will protect us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is our God and our refuge. Let's not fear. Let's have faith. Let's not worry, but rather let's worship him. When you think the world has gone mad, just reflect on God's sovereignty. Think about the promises and the prophecies in God's word. Behold the mighty works of the Lord. Who made the world in the first place? Who rules it with great power? Who gives life to all, even those who we call our enemies or those who do not live in the way that we judge fit? Who is going to have the final say? Who's going to establish an eternal kingdom? In light of this, we should be still and recognize the greatness of our God. Only he is sovereign. Then we should stand in awe for our Savior and our King. Let us worship him and exalt his name in all the earth. God uses trouble and pressure to make us lean on him. He wants us to be a people of faith, not of fear.